Your first impression counts. Whether we like it or not, we are quick to judge a book by its cover. A bias called the primacy effect shows that we are heavily influenced by the initial piece of information we see. We're more likely to remember it and draw conclusions from it. For marketers, this is only amplified. Consumers spend on average just 1.4 seconds looking at your ads. If you fail to create a good first impression, you will struggle to attract new customers. Today, I'm chatting with Ram Lee John about the first impressions customers have when they sign up to your product or service. We'll be looking at customer onboarding, a vitally important but often overlooked part of the buyer's journey. Ram Lee will talk through some of his tips he's gathered through his 12 years as a digital growth marketer. He's got experience founding several startups and has worked as a head of marketing for tech companies in Toronto, San Fran, New York. He's also an expert in onboarding, talking at length about it on his brilliant podcast called Growth Marketing Today. So to kick off, I asked Ram Lee why onboarding is so important. The podcast I'd like to recommend today is the D2C pod brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. The D2C pod is a podcast all about all the things direct to consumer. The hosts cover everything from starting, growing and optimizing e-commerce stores and D2C brands. If you're interested in the stories behind your favorite consumer brands, this is a podcast for you. To start, I'd suggest checking out episode 318, which features the CMO of Feastables. So listen to D2C pod wherever you get your podcasts. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. It's like trying to remember the name of someone you've just met at a networking event. I've made this mistake before, introducing a colleague to my new friend Dan, only to find out his name was actually Ian. Being personal with your customers is important, but keeping on top of all that information can be very hard. That's where HubSpot's all-new service hub comes in. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. It's got an AI-powered help desk and an AI-powered chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs. Plus, it never forgets a first name. All of that can help you scale support and drive retention and revenue. That means better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit hubspot.com service to do more for your customers today. User onboarding is so critical for the customer journey because really it's when users desi- decide whether they're going to stick with your app for a long time and become like a paying customer and, and pay monthly or they're going to leave your product forever. It's like first experience, first impressions matter. And this is the first impression uh, that they're going to get. Unfortunately for a lot of teams, the problem is that they ignore the user onboarding. They, they focus on acquisition. Like how can I get more users? How can I get more trials? And then on the other end, they focus on releasing more features to, to make the product better. And user onboarding is in the middle of the two of that journey and it gets ignored. And the problem with that, that Intercom found is that 40 to 60% of users actually sign up once and leave forever. Like that, that's crazy. Like 60% who, who sign up, imagine how much dollars you're spending on ads, on SE, on content, just to get people to sign up and 60% or more actually sign up, check it out, get a bad experience 
and leave forever. So that's such a critical part of the journey. And on the positive and upside end, amazing user onboarding journey actually turn into retention. And that's one of the growth, biggest growth lever. The statistics that, that ProfitWell did where they studied over 500 products is that they found that customers with a positive perception of onboarding experience actually stick uh, longer, like over 20% more likely to stick longer than any other ones that had a poor experience on the onboarding. And they actually have a higher customer lifetime value. So that's really why user onboarding is such a critical part of the customer journey that a lot, unfortunately, a lot of growth and marketing teams uh, usually ignore it. They're, it's like the ugly duckling of the mar- of marketing where, yeah, let's get more users. Let's, let's run ads. Let's focus on, pro- on uh, getting a really great product. But the middle of it is where uh, it gets often ignored, but it's the most crucial. Up to 60% of users who sign up for a free trial never come back. And out of all of them, just 5% end up becoming actual paying customers, according to research by Intercom. Clearly, many of us struggle with customer onboarding, losing potential buyers too early. And yet, there's a huge opportunity. If you get this right, you could double or triple your users based on these numbers. Ramley has some suggestions to help us achieve this. His first tip is to make your product or service part of the user's habits. Here's Ramley giving an example of an app that does this well. Yeah, there's this really great example. So uh, an app that I'm actually now using called Wave uh, Wave, uh, Apps, where they have a financial software for entrepreneurs. So one of the things they've done during the user onboarding, and they really hammer this home, is that with there's two things that they, they communicate really well on the onboarding. First, their goal, is it, they, they have a copy there that says, get three times paid faster with wave invoices. I really love that because it really, you know, trying to overcome the habit of the present. One of the ways to overcome that is to really hammer home the point, why would I switch over and change my whole habits to this new world, right? And one of the things is, you get three times paid faster. And it's something that a lot of entrepreneurs want, right? When you send an invoice, how many times have uh, people sent an invoice and waited months on end? It's, it's not a great feeling, right? And so that's one thing that they said that they've done in the user onboarding. Another thing that they've done really well is visualize what success will look like. Once again, trying to, trying to help shape new habits uh, for, for people. So as, as you're signing up and being onboarded through this Wave app, you they ask you for your logo for your company but as soon as you upload your logo something magical happens they pick up your brand colors i've i i've i haven't seen a lot of companies do that where they they know what your accent color is so when i uploaded the product led institute logo they picked up the yellow and the black right away so i don't have to input that in and then to the right of that image is what my invoices will look like with with wave and it, and it just really shows to you what it looked like. It looks professional. And just talking to Vivek, the, the head of growth at Wave, he, after doing some customer interviews, what he's heard is that, that this visualization really helped build trust. And it's something that people said, wow, this is great. My invoices look like terrible, look terrible before this. It was just this plain thing. And now I'm actually sending beautiful, professional-looking invoices not just that, but it also gets me paid three times faster. 
By automatically editing an invoice's design to match the user's logo, Waver's helping set what Charles Duhigg calls a keystone habit. Now, changing one keystone habit, according to Duhigg in his book, The Power of Habits, makes it much easier to form other new habits. Wave helps you create beautiful branded invoices straight away using their product, and that small feature made it easier for Ramley to move his entire invoicing system onto the new platform. In 2009, researchers cited in The Power of Habits discovered that small wins often had a much better success rate at changing habits than larger drastic changes. In the study, two groups of overweight people who had been told to lose weight by their doctor took very different approaches to weight loss. The first group were told to try small wins, things like keeping a food journal or cutting calories for one meal a day. It was small changes to their existing habits. The other group went for much larger drastic changes, trying to cut a thousand calories a day out of their diet immediately. Now you might think that that other group trying to make big changes would have better success rate. After all, they're doing more to make the change. But interestingly, the first group who focused on small wins ended up losing twice as much weight as those going for major changes. This is a vital lesson for onboarding users. Don't attempt to drastically change all of your users' habits with a vastly different platform. Instead, make small changes like automatically branding invoices to get people on board slowly. Anyway, back to Ramley, who gives his second tip that marketers need to follow to improve onboarding. The second thing that that uh, the marketers need to do is they really need to break the objection. So we talked about new users being skeptical, getting into the mind of the new users. What are they skeptical about? What are the objections? And a great place to check that is support tickets. Are there any support tickets, any questions or objections that keep coming up over and over again? I would also suggest the marketers to talk to people in sales or even the customer success team and talk to them because they're really actually uh, having real life conversations with customers and they're hearing their pain. They're hearing their objections. What kind of questions keep coming up over and over again? And I suggest, I would suggest to put that into the copy or even kind of embed that into, into the user onboarding. Go, going back to wave as an example, they probably implemented a visualization because one of the objections is they, it's hard to, for me to say to you, professional invoices, everybody has a different idea what a professional invoice is, but when they show it to you, they break that objection that this is definitely 10 times better than what I'm doing right now with Microsoft Word or Microsoft Excel. This focus on objections helps beat loss aversion. Now, loss aversion is the idea that losses feel worse than the equivalent gain. It's why many marketers opt for messages that state what the customer might miss out on rather than what they'll gain from using their products. Wave does this by showing the brilliantly designed invoices you'll miss out on if you don't sign up. But my my favourite example of this is from Amazon Prime. I recently tried to cancel my Prime membership and was greeted by a message that was packed with loss aversion. It said, Phil, you have saved £313 in delivery fees since August 2019. You'll miss out on these savings if you cancel today. Now, the thought of losing £313 worth of savings is hard to ignore, and it makes you think twice before cancelling. 
You can leverage the same principle during your onboarding to make it much more likely that users will stick around. You can do this by letting users know how much time they've spent during the onboarding or reiterating the savings or efficiency they'll miss out on if they leave now. But what about customers who have spent too long onboarding and perhaps need to sign up and start paying? I asked Ramley when you'll know when a customer is ready to sign up and actually start paying. Here's what he had to say. The first thing, and we, we talked a little bit about the commitment, is like understanding who are your committed users. These are the people who might be ready for an upsell. And one uh, metric that, one kind of engagement metric that, that I've looked at is something that I call the tipping point. And this is something that Malcolm Gladwell actually wrote about. Tipping point is when the idea or your product has stayed in the mind of that consumer and it really influences their future bearer and if I had to define this another way, it's like they've already formed a, a deep love and habit with your product. And they're now like, maybe they're starting to actually advocate for your product. Uh, in terms of actual numbers and metric, one of the things that uh, Silicon Valley startups have called this is something called a magic number. And people might be familiar with Facebook where, you know, people uh, adding one friend for a new user is not enough. You have to add seven friends in 10 days. Uh, this is actually a lot of Silicon Valley startups have something called a magic number. Uh, an example of this is Slack. A lot of people use Slack, but there's an interview with Stuart Butterfield, the Slack co-founder, where he, he even said himself that based on their data and experience, the people and companies that stuck with Slack, they, weren't, they didn't just send one messages. They sent 2,000 messages in that one team and 93% of those customers who send 2,000 messages actually still stick with Slack today. Another example is Twitter, where they found that if Twitter couldn't get people to add 30 people on the first day, then they're very unlikely to come back. So once you figure out that magic number, I think that's where you start figuring out, are there any other solutions or any other problems that they might have? I keep bringing up the, the thing with HubSpot because they've really led this product-led growth movement where HubSpot is a perfect example of how they've moved and you know transitioned from just ha- having one product and now they're actually having multiple products because they're so- solving different problems that that one company might have. They have HubSpot marketing for marketers. They have HubSpot sales now because they know that marketing and sales have to talk to each other. And now they, have, they also have other uh, HubSpot support Right, so the idea being that once customers is committed to to adopting your product, are there any other problems that they might have that you could potentially solve in in the same realm as your as your your, your first product, and then just really having that that conversation. If it's very high touch, then whether that's an outreach or or maybe even offering a free trial of your other product would be an interesting option to upsell. As soon as they're committed, yeah, that's something that marketers and other product leaders can take a look at. The third nudge I'd advise you to consider is the consistency principle. As Ramley says, once users start consistently using your product, you know they're potentially ready to sell to. The goal, though, is to find that magic number, the metric that shows that users are consistently using your tool, and then you should optimize for that number. This works because people feel the need to stay consistent with their previous actions. 
A study in Science revealed that people go to extraordinary lengths to stay consistent with what they have previously said. In the study, people were asked to choose between two faces multiple times um, and they had to pick the face they liked the most. After, researchers showed the participants a face of somebody they actually didn't pick and they asked them to explain why they picked them. So it's a lie, right? They're saying, why did you pick this face when the participant actually didn't pick that face? Now, you'd expect the participants would either remember and say, no, I didn't pick that person, or perhaps they'd be honest and say, you know, I'm not really sure why I picked them, but they never did. Incredibly, not only did every participant say they did, in fact, pick that face, immediately conforming to the researcher's view, they also gave all sorts of reasons why, stating, oh, it was due to their nice glasses or their beard or their eyes. The study shows that we are incredibly keen to stay consistent with our previous actions, even when those actions are made up. So finding users who have shown a commitment to your freemium product is vital when looking to spot potential customers. But how do we encourage this commitment? I asked Ramley. That's a great question. In in my opinion, that's the role of yeah, the marketers and growth team is how can we encourage commitment, right? Like it's like it's like a date. Like you want to go on a date and put your best foot. You want to take a sh- you want to take a shower. You want to put on your you want to put on your best pants and your best shirt and really like you're trying to get that second date. Like that's my idea of growth. It's not like you're we're trying to trick users into a commitment. More so like we want to put our best foot forward so that we get that second, third, fourth and then we get that that marriage proposal yes at the end of the road. So that, that's that's what I would suggest would be, yes, I think we as, as growth leaders, as product leaders, as marketers, how, how can we put our best foot forward? How can we encourage commitment without actually tricking people into uh, making that, that commitment, even though they're not actually a good fit for our, our product? While focusing on committed users is important, it is also important to make sure you're not signing up the wrong users. Encouraging people who don't need your tool to sign up will only cause you problems further down the line. Shoe manufacturer Zappos discovered this when hiring new employees. Now, the cost of hiring a bad employee is thousands of dollars, so they decided to create an offer that weeds out the employees who aren't committed. After one month at the company, Zappos offers new hires $2,000 in cash to quit. It might seem crazy, but it helps them identify those who don't want to be there and gives those employees a chance to get out early, saving Zappos lots of money and time and effort in the long run. Maybe we could apply a similar principle for our products, offering ill-fitting customers a get-out card if the product clearly isn't for them. It could save your support and success team heaps of time and leave both parties on good terms. Unfortunately, we are near the end of my discussion with Ram Lee. To finish off, I decided to ask something I had been desperate to find out. Now, Ram Lee has helped dozens of companies improve their onboarding, so I wanted to hear about some of the biggest onboarding mistakes he had seen. Yeah, I think the biggest, the one biggest sin that I see a lot of onboarding mistake, uh, user onboarding uh, does is they, you know, they assume that their users are already fully bought in. And that ties everything, whether that's a long form. Like if you're skeptical, why would I give you my 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 phone number? Like why would you make that mandatory? Like I, I don't know who you are. What are you going to do with my phone number? 
I why would I, uh, you know, give you my my home address unless that's required? Like, what is your business address? What is your home address? Like, why are you asking for this information? So I think that's you know, and also having uh, you know, when people are not fully bought in, like asking for information that doesn't make sense really does make it hard, especially when 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 you ask users to to activate their email address, this is one thing that, that gets to me uh, most of the time is you sign up and they're like, you're stuck with a page, please validate your email. There's so many tools right now that can make sure that those, that email is real. You don't have to do that. So that's something that's really does bother me is assuming they're fully bought in. I'm not saying those things are wrong. Right? An example of that, once again, is useless where they do require uh, credit card upfront. What you can do is you can provide a reason why you're asking people to to do this hard thing, you know. I for useless they say we're asking for your credit card upfront for the free trial because we're trying to prevent spam. We get a lot of them, but also so we can cater and create a better onboarding experience for you. That that's great. Like that's exactly what you want to do. They're not fully bought in, so you give them a reason. Uh, and another example is with that phone number. I said, why would I give my phone number? Uh, I really love, and I keep going back to Wave. In Wave, they ha- they ask for your phone number, but it's not man- mandatory. But what they say is, give us your phone number, and we're going to send you a link to download our Wave app so you can send invoices while you're on the go. Like, heck yeah, that's exactly what I want. I'm going to give you my phone number. So I think if you are going to ask users to do things that are hard, Assuming that they're not fully bought in and asking them to giving a reason why you're asking them to do that really does, does help. Onboarding should not be secondary to acquiring users. It is just as important. According to Ramley, if done well, onboarding can make customers 21% more likely to go from a free user to a paying user. And yet... All too many companies assume the job is done once the user first signs up. Today, Ramley has talked through how you can optimize your onboarding process by building habits to keep customers hooked, using consistency to spot the right and wrong customers, and leveraging loss aversion to increase product stickiness. He's also advised us to check our onboarding process to make sure we're not making the mistakes Ramley highlighted. So don't bother asking for a phone number or email if you don't explain why. It will only block conversions and piss off buyers. That's all for today. I really enjoyed chatting with Ramley and I'm a big fan of his podcast, Growth Marketing Today. If you enjoyed this episode, you will enjoy his show. So I've left a link to that in the show notes. So do go and check it out. In the meantime, don't hesitate to head to nudgepodcast.com. Over there, you'll find access to the Science of Marketing course, links to follow the show on social, and a contact form to get in touch. And please do if you've got any feedback or suggestions. Anyway, thank you again for listening to this episode of Nudge.